Well, good morning and welcome to the online service of the Porch Community Church. I'm Shannon, the lead pastor, and uh, it's good that we can be together today. Uh, we just wanted to make sure that we were prepared for our December 20th music service and, of course, our Christmas Eve services on December 24th at uh, 3 o'clock and 4.30. So we just thought it'd be a good idea with rising cases in our community to have an online service only this week. So we're really glad that you are part of today. Uh, before we jump into today's message, let's open up with a word of prayer, okay? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises that are found within it. God, we thank you for the power of, of the, the hymn that we're going to look at today. And Lord, I pray that we just see the combination and by it, your Holy Spirit will minister to us and we will walk out of this with a deeper understanding of who you are. Through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to say something that maybe many of you have thought, maybe you're thinking it right now. Um, this could have been a totally boring series like Snooze Fest. I, I know that. Um, like, oh, yay, we're going to talk about one hymn for three weeks. That'll be awesome. Um, but this has really been good, um, not because it's my teaching, but just because of the depth of what we've looked at together. And I just really hope that as we have moved uh, through this really theologically rich hymn, that you've learned something deeper, like we just prayed, that you've learned something more about our coming King. So if you missed week one or two, because this is the third week, I encourage you to go to our YouTube page and check out messages one and two of this series called Hark where we're looking at the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Of course, this was written by Charles Wesley. And um, Wesley does this phenomenal job of taking really high poetic prose and combining it with high theology. And that's what we love um, about this hymn and why we're looking at it. So we're in stanza three today. So we'll start right here at the first line of stanza three. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail means um, that to to acknowledge, to to acclaim, um, to honor, and it's saying hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. And Wesley is drawing from Isaiah chapter nine in the last part of verse six, where it says this, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And so Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this is what we sing has come to establish peace on earth between God and humanity. This is what Christ has come to do. Now, we talked in week one um, about this, this idea, this point, that there is no true peace apart from Jesus. And I want you to hear that today. There is no true peace. You will not be able to attain true peace in your life apart from Jesus Christ. And this is what he has come to establish. And so many of us, we know this, we've lived outside of the peace of God, like by our own choosing, by our choices, by our decisions. And we have lived in the peace of God. And oh my goodness, you, you cannot compare the two. Um, it's impossible to do that. Our lives are not capable of true peace apart from Jesus. We, we need him desperately. And so he came to establish peace on earth. He came to do this. And that means in not just on the earth, but that means in your life and in my life as well. 
So he came to restore our relationship. Now it also says, uh, we're going to, the next line, hail the son of righteousness. So hail the heaven born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. That's not a typo. Um, our tech crew wouldn't, you know, sleep on the job. Uh, it is S-U-N because Wesley takes this from uh, the book of Malachi. But now before we look at it, I just want to remind you again, what does this word hail means? It means to honor, to acclaim, to acknowledge. And so when we're singing this, we're singing that we should give honor, that we should give recognition to Jesus, that we should hail him as the son of righteousness. Well, why do we hail him as the son of righteousness? Why do we do that? Um, Malachi chapter four, the first part of verse two says this, the sun, S-U-N, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name. Now, this is actually talking about the second coming of Christ, but he's got to show up first before the second happens. So that's why all these prophecies tie in together. Malachi is the last prophet that, that speaks on behalf of God until John the Baptist shows up about 400 years later. And John the Baptist comes and says, prepare the way of the Lord. So Malachi is the last prophet. Then there's silence for about 400 years. And then John the Baptist. And so hail the son of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Well, very, very simply what it means is it means to be made right with God, that we need to be made right with God, right? That, that separation that we have with him, we, there's only one way for that to happen, and that comes through Jesus Christ. We need to be righteous as God is righteous, as Christ is righteous, and that only comes through Jesus. So simply it's being made right with God. You could also say that it's the, it's that it's a gracious gift that God has given to us. And it comes at the moment of our new birth. It comes at the moment where we say yes. Um, and, and what that does is that empowers us as followers of Jesus to do what we talk about here all the time, which is to grow, to be on this journey of faith, to grow in our holiness, to grow in our sanctification, right? To grow closer to God. So let's not lose sight that our only hope of being made right with God, righteousness, is, was born meek and mild as a baby. And, and it's only through faith in him that you and I have righteousness and we can be reconciled back to God. Okay, so hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Now the third line of stanza three says this, light and life to all he brings. Light and life to all he brings. So when we hail Jesus as as uh, the newborn king, when we hail him as the son of righteousness, what we're doing is we are acknowledging that he brings light and life. We're agreeing with scripture. It says this in John uh, chapter one. And by the way, all these verses, um, either this evening or tomorrow, every line of this stanza with the accompanying verses will be up on our social and in our email and you'll be able to find that so you can um, go back and read through them for yourselves later for more study but light and life to all he brings john chapter 1 verse 4 says this the word capital w talking about jesus who is with god in the beginning the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. His life brought light to everyone. 
I'm not sure if you've given much thought to the necessity of light. And here's a few interesting facts. And um, if you know all about the sun, by the way, this would be a really good time for you to go and get some more coffee or a snack or a potty break or whatever. We'll let you know when it's time to come back. Um, but the Earth's perfect positioning on its axis, if we were to go at just a few degrees in one direction, we would burn up. And if we were to tilt in the other direction just a few degrees, we would freeze to death. Our, we are perfectly positioned for life to happen on this earth in our relationship from earth and the sun. So what happens if the sun were to suddenly go out? Right? Imagine that. Well, we wouldn't know for about eight and a half minutes because it takes that long for the rays of the sun to get here. But in about eight and a half minutes, it would get dark. If it was nighttime here uh, we and, and we saw the moon, suddenly the moon would go dark because the moon just reflects the sun's light. The moon doesn't put out light. We know that. Um, and so now if you think it's cold in the porch auditorium sometimes, imagine this. Within a week, the, the Earth's uh, temperature, the surface temperature would be zero degrees. And they think about, scientists say within about a year, that uh, the, the surface would be about negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Of course, then all the oceans and seas um, would be frozen over with so frozen solid with a top on there. So then there's no sun. Everything's cold. Photosynthesis stops. So that means, you know, all the plants would die and the animals that eat those plants that die. The people who the, the, the animals and creatures that rely on that would die, including you and me. Um, so that's what happens without the sun. All right, now, if you left the room, hurry back. Come on, everybody, back in, back in. So without the sun, without the the heat and the light, what the earth does is it just becomes this lifeless, ice-coated rock. That's all it is. But the sun, S-U-N, brings light and life to the earth. And what Wesley is writing and what is written in scripture, it's, it's combining this idea of the power of God's creation in the sun with the person of the sun, S-O-N. Because see, the sun brings light and life to earth. The sun, S-O-N, comes to bring light and life to the lifeless, to you and me. It's, it's, it's a really powerful way to think about that. So the next line in the stanza says this, risen with healing in his wings. So it's still talking about the son of righteousness, risen with healing in its wings. Wesley again goes back to Malachi uh, chapter four, verse two, when it says basically the same thing, uh, talking about the son of righteousness. And it says healing radiating from its wings, radiating from its wings. Okay, have you ever thought about this? And, and maybe you have. Uh, but the, the Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins. I mean, it's incredibly important. It's what it all hinges on. He doesn't just forgive our sins, though. He also brings healing to our brokenness. I'm going to say that again because I think somebody needs to hear that. Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins. He heals our brokenness. That's what he has the power to do. 
I mean, you look at the ministry of Jesus, right? You go look in the New Testament, go look at um, what he was doing. And what you'll see is that forgiveness and healing often came hand in hand. They often happened at the same time. In some instances, people would come to him for physical healing. And the first thing he would do is say, your sins are forgiven. And people would be perplexed and then he would heal them. There were other times they, they came to him just to be in his presence and he would heal them and they would celebrate that they were healed. And then he would say, now go and sin no more. But forgiveness and healing were so closely connected. Think of it like this, okay? You and I know the difference between forgiving somebody and being healed from what they needed to be forgiven for, right? You with me? We understand that difference. Like someone hurts us and they say, will you forgive me? And you say, yes, but the hurt is still there, right? Jesus comes not just to forgive, but to heal that hurt. Think of it this way. We know the difference between asking someone for forgiveness and then being truly reconciled back to them for that relationship to be restored from where we've hurt them. We know the difference. There there is a difference. The healing is the hardest part. Friends, that's because you and I have limitations. Like in our relationships with other people, there are limitations that doesn't mean we don't work for healing. That doesn't mean we don't we don't strive for healing. It doesn't mean we can't work on forgiveness. I believe we're called to do that. But Jesus does not have limitations. You and I have limitations, but the Son of Righteousness does not have limitations. And he brings healing. He's able to bring forgiveness and he brings healing. And that's really good news for any of you living right now, knowing that you're forgiven yet you still still are not healed. Forgiveness and healing. Let the Son of Righteousness, let Jesus start to work that healing into you. All right, next line of the stanza says this, mild he lays his glory by. Mild he lays his glory by. I just have this image in my mind of like Jesus removing his crown while he's still you know in heaven, in the presence and there with God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity there, and removing his crown and then like coming to earth. That's kind of the picture. And then I thought, you know, we actually have a picture of that. And it's when you look in the New Testament, and you look at what Jesus does when he removes the outer garment that he's wearing and he wraps it around his waist and then he washes the feet of his disciples. He takes the place of a servant. He sets aside his royalty. He sets aside his deity and comes as a man. He lays his glory by, I mean, you think about it. Jesus could have come in like a boss, but he comes in like a servant. He lays his glory by. And there's such humility about that. And I think there's humility in that, that we need to see and recognize and we need to work into our own lives where humility is difficult. Now, in this part of the stanza now, so in stanza one and two, they're kind of cut in half where the first part of the stanza is like this description of who Jesus is, of what God's done, of what the angels are saying about him. And then the last part of stanza one and two, it kind of says, all right, this is how you respond to this information. Well, the difference with stanza three is that, again, it kind of says, Hail, the son of righteousness, the, the risen king, he's laying his glory by. But now it tells us, why he came, why he was even 
born to begin with. And I wanted to separate these three lines of the stanza, but there's really no reason to because they're just, they come together. They're so good. So here are the last three lines of, of uh, stanza three. So it says this. This is the powerful part. To me, besides the line, um, uh, born to, uh, what is it? Reconcile us to God. Um, I can't remember right now. My brain's a little fried. Okay, but here's the three lines, all right? Um, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Jesus was born to remove the sin in the world. Jesus was born so he could be reconciled to God. Right? Jesus was born so that our sins could be forgiven. Jesus was born so that we could be healed and live in peace. Romans chapter 6 encapsulates all three of these lines. Romans 6 verses 4 through 6 says this. Listen to this and think about these lines of the, of the hymn. It says, For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This is what Jesus came to do. Born that man no more may die, we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was, right? Born to raise the sons of earth. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, born to give them second birth. You see it all in there in Romans 6, 4 through 6. See, this is the healing that we get to experience in Christ. This is it right here. Raised to new life, born to give us a second birth. And friends, this is the gospel. We have been singing the gospel as we have been singing this hymn. It's a lie. This is the reason for everything. And so, Porch Community, we sing, perhaps, a much with a, with a much, much deeper understanding than we ever have before. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king.